this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Who's going to ever care that I was here? What difference is it going to make? Right. I had been praying that the Lord would either provide me with a Christian husband so I could raise a family in the Lord, or a full-time ministry he would want me to be with. And I'd been praying that way for a number of months. And so when she told me that, when she told me about this young man who was, you know, now a single dad on the island of Guam, would I be interested in writing him? I said, sure. Well, he headed toward a Caribbean island for a life of relaxation and joy. (laughs) No, not really. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We have today... Gary Whitmore back with us. Gary is no stranger to Mid-South Viewpoint. But Gary, you did something really grand today. You brought your wife, Winnie. My better three quarters, yes. Winnie, I'm so glad that Gary brought you because we talk about you. I've heard that. We say good things about you. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really great to have both of the Whitmores, Gary and Winnie Whitmore, here with us with TWR Ministry. Guys, it's been 45 years, Gary, for you serving with TWR. Is it 42? 42 or 43. Getting close. (laughs) They just start kind of blurring after a time, right? She's a newbie of the team. Wow. Yeah. This is going to be great to talk about what God has faithfully done through the years. The joys of serving Christ, but also there's some pain involved sometimes. And Gary, we've shared your story. When you first headed to that Caribbean island of Bonaire back in 1976, at that time, first wife... Barbara Jane. Barbara Jane. You did not have any idea that you would go to do ministry there. Your wife would die giving birth to your son. We thought it was... um Again, as she said, in a Caribbean island, we committed our lives to Christ, went here to Mid-South Baba College, where we also met Byron, wanted to serve the Lord through Transworld Radio, uh, arrived there, and I can almost sometimes see the uh, movie done for the Whitmores as missionaries. And then in 1976, November 24, we had our uh, first baby boy, David. And then due to complications after childbirth, Barbara Jane went home to be with the Lord. So the day before Thanksgiving, instantly became not just a missionary, but a widower, a dad, a single dad. So my life was totally changed. But as I tell people, when you go through a difficult time, people, there's two things that they do. Either say, God, I hate you, get out of my life, which is the wrong thing to say. Or as I did, God, I don't know why this has happened, but help me. And I really felt the strong, loving arms of the Heavenly Father, you know, pick me up and carry me. You know, uh, Paul or Saul, when God, you know, grabbed him and changed his life, Ananias came to him and said, here's what you're going to do. Here's the way you're going to suffer for the Lord. And later the Lord told Paul, here are the things you're going to suffer for me. When I said, yes, God, I'm willing to serve you wherever if he would have said, okay, great, but here's what's going to happen. Giving you the list like he gave Paul. Yes. Would you have done that? Would I have done that? I want to say yes. <laughs> but, you know, as I look back, I really hope that I would have. It was easy to, you know, okay, being a missionary, going to the Caribbean island is going to be like heaven. So if he does, here's what you're going to. And I challenge, and I'm challenging myself, I'd like to challenge your listeners about a blank check. You don't want to give somebody a blank check and they, they fill it out. But for the Lord, we sign our check. Here's my life, oh God. I think too easily we'll say, yes. here are the things right. I will do for you. But he wants a blank check. Give me this, I'll do that. 
But yeah. if he says, but here are the things that are going to happen. We've got it easy here in the States as Christians. People around the world, it's hard for many of them to hear the gospel. When they do, they're going to, hey, if I commit my life to Christ, let people know I'm going to lose my job or lose yep. my life. Are we willing to say, God, everything I have is yours? For many, as you mentioned, Gary, moments after they publicly confess Jesus Christ, they die just for those words. I believe in Jesus. Yes. So God brought me through it. It was very difficult, a uh, single dad on the mission field for two and a half years. But God provided in a wonderful way. Well, we want to go now to the Sunshine State, Florida, because that's where (laughs) Winnie was living at the time. What I recall, Winnie, you were attending a prayer group of ladies. Well, it wasn't exactly a prayer group. (laughs) (laughs) Was it bingo? (laughs) No, it wasn't wasn't that. I was at a uh, shower for another girl in our church who was getting married. So it was a bridal shower. I didn't know it, but my mother's best friend had gone to the island of Bonaire to do some volunteer work for TWR. I I had never heard of Bonaire. I had never heard of TWR. (laughs) I didn't know she was there. But a few months after she came back, we happened to be sitting next to each other at this shower. After a while, she leaned over to me and she said, I don't know why, but I just feel God is leading me to tell you about this man that I heard about while I was on Bonaire. I'm for sure she said he's tall, dark, and handsome. (laughs) Why else would she say yes? (laughs) So uh, she had been on Bonaire shortly after Barbara Jane had died. Of course, the women there had told her what had happened and that now this young man with this little baby was serving on Guam because they sent Gary to Guam. So she asked, well, do you think you'd be interested in writing to him? Because the Lord had been working in me, I had been working at an insurance company for a number of years, and the Spirit was really working in me, and I was just feeling like, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Who's going to ever care that I was here? What difference is it going to make? I had been praying that the Lord would either provide me with a Christian husband so I could raise a family in the Lord, or a full-time ministry he would want me to be with. And I'd been praying that way for a number of months. And so when she told me that, when she told me about this young man who was, you know, now a single dad on the island of Guam, would I be interested in writing him? I said, sure. (laughs) I can't imagine that first letter. So you initiated the letter-writing campaign. Uh, No, she actually did. Because when I said yes, she wrote a letter to Gary introducing... Well, Gary didn't know her. Yes, yeah, so, so way out she, on Guam, I get a letter from a woman I didn't know introducing me to a woman I didn't know what I'd be, be willing to write. Talk about a man of faith. <laughs> a woman of faith. Well, I was going to say, even a greater woman of faith that would be willing to do this. So Gary wrote me the first letter uh, that was in October of 1978, introducing himself and sent a picture of me and little little David. We started corresponding. That initial first letter when you opened it up, a picture of a little boy pops out and you start reading the letter. What's going through your mind? Boy, it's been so long ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gary was very, um, I don't know why, but the picture that he sent was of he and David together. So he started referring himself, would I be interested in writing to this two-headed monster. I'm like, okay, this is weird, but... Didn't have a sign around the baby saying home cooking or anything like that, (laughs) no? (laughs) No, but I saw the results of his home cooking the first time we met. I was pretty skinny. (laughs) 
So you become an instant mom. As the relationship matures after you make the marriage commitment, and not only instant mom, but an instant missionary mom and wife all at the same time. That was a challenge, very difficult. And there was a time in our relationship of testing, is this really something God is calling me to do, to marry him and become a missionary and also Gary marrying me? (laughs) But because of that time of just waiting on the Lord and confirming. How did God confirm that for you, Winnie? Well, when Gary and I first met, we had two weeks, um, a week in Florida and a week up here in Memphis to kind of get to know each other. And then Gary went back to Guam without assurance that, you know, I was the right person for him. Yeah, and, and, and everybody David. said, you should marry her. You should marry her. But I didn't have that peace about it. And if you don't have peace, I've heard, hey, you don't do it. Hey, I was going back to eating hamburger helper every night, <laughs> keeping care of Dave. So it was a, I could very easily said, yes, let's get married. So what was a reservation? Didn't have peace. And, um, as you know, KTWG, the local station there, had you know some great Bible teachers besides the, the, the station I was working with, KTWR, going into Asia. I wrote two of our broadcasters. What should I do? I was looking for that wise Christian counsel. Probably in the back of my mind I was saying, hoping they'll say no, then it's off my back. But they both wrote back. Now, you've got to realize there was no eHarmony back then. <laughs> no internet. No email. I call it God Harmony. So, uh, so you write a letter to Winnie or to these um, counselors. What do you, what you, you got to wait two weeks to get an answer back. But they both wrote back saying, we see no reason why you shouldn't. So I was running out of excuses. <laughs> so then I write this yeah. real well, long isn't, letter. Isn't it interesting how we sometimes do that in our lives? We pray that we want God's will. And God starts unfolding and showing us fruit or signs of that will. You know, we start having those reservations, Winnie. Yeah, well, I mean, since he was having reservations, to me, I was like, well, why did God bring him into my life? What was the purpose of this? Yes. You know, I started thinking that or praying about it, and God was saying, okay, do you want to just join a mission organization so you can marry this guy? Or do you want to really you know, be committed to being in a mission organization and going overseas and doing what he calls us to do. So that time of waiting, it was, I started looking at applying to be a single missionary with TWR. In that process, you did that? Yeah, during the time that Gary's... (laughs) Gary was trying to decide if he wants to still eat Hamburger Helper or not. (laughs) Right, right. So I was was looking at, you know, applying to be a single missionary. So, you know, it was like God was saying, okay, do you just want to marry this guy and because you're married to him, you'll be a missionary? Or do you really want to, you know, your first focus is being a missionary and willing to go? And really the first focus for you was being totally surrendered to Christ. Yes. Because he had brought you to that point. The occupation was in the banking world, financial world, right? Right. You knew you were dissatisfied. You wanted something that was going to be lasting, was going to make an eternal impact. That's right. My letters to her were getting fewer and fewer, further apart. A little, uh, hello, Winnie, how are you? Trust that you're well. That was kind of it, kind of keeping in touch, but slowly letting her down. But then one day, after getting the counsel from these counselors that you should marry her, wrote a real thick letter to her. Yeah, I come home from work. It was it was a Friday. How thick was it, Winnie? It was like this thick, <laughs> thicker than the old ones had been. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I, I pulled the letter out of the mailbox, and I'm like, "Uh oh, this is either you know, right. have a nice life, or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the other." So uh, opened the letter, read it that 
Friday after work and heard his heart, you know, that God was leading him to, hey, you know, maybe we should get this relationship a little more serious again. Yes. And I thought, well, I'm just going to pray about it over the weekend. I'm not going to make a quick decision. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to bed that night and um, just could not go to sleep. And usually I didn't have any problem at all going to sleep. The great thing about being on the other side of the world, it's noontime on Guam, and it's midnight there, so I'm praying wide awake and sh- and praying that yeah. <laughs> she'll make the right decision. Yeah. She can't go to sleep. So I, I got up and I said, okay, Lord, I think I know what you want me to do. You could have said, this guy's indecisive. I need some better leadership than this. I'm not sure I want to go down this path. <laughs> I could have, but I don't know. I still felt like God was leading me in that direction. Well, what so. was the most difficult thing for you to overcome, to trust God's heart during those first couple of years? The first year... Uh, we went to Guam. Let's so see, we got married in June, the end of June. In November, we went to Guam. You know, I was 29 years old by then, and I had had this whole single life already. So being the mother of a two-and-a-half-year-old all of a sudden was a real challenge. She had raised two children, two boys, <laughs> <laughs> David and, and me. Then, yeah, and then, you know, I was on Guam, half a world away from my family, from my support system, my friends, and so on. So it, that first year on Guam was very, very difficult. So if I hadn't have been positive beyond yes. the shadow of a doubt that that's where God wanted me to do yeah. to be and, yes. and being the mother of a two-and-a-half-year-old and helping to raise Gary, too. <laughs> well, you know, I remember some advice the late Adrian Rogers gave me. First of all, he said, don't doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. And mm-hmm. I know you guys have heard that. Don't think it's original from him, but he told us that. And the other thing that... Adrian Rogers told my wife and I, as we were heading to Guam with TWR ourselves when we served there back in the mid-90s, mm-hmm. as a result of my relationship with Gary and how God used really you as a team to move through the Holy Spirit in our lives to eventually go with TWR during those years. But he said to us, give it a couple of years because you need to settle in. And a lot of folks take a short-term mission trip, so they might go one or two weeks And most of that, you're running on no sleep and adrenaline. But when two weeks turns into two months, and two months turns into two years, two years turns into 45 years, you know, (laughs) it's that perseverance. It's what God does in the crockpot of life to mold and to grow us. Yeah, and I think of of that waiting, because if we would have gotten married when everybody said we should, she probably would have flown the coop. I've flown, flown the coop, but that... Even though it was very difficult during that time of of waiting, it solidified and confirmed what God wanted us to do. So when you go through difficult situations and times, you know this is God's will. Good times, bad times is his will. Winnie, 42 years of serving the Lord through a missionary lifestyle, what has been the most rewarding thing for you? Well, basically, I, I feel like I've been the support system for Gary most of the time on Guam and in Hong Kong, it was my job, quote unquote, to be at home, raise the children, help with their schooling, give Gary what he needed, you know, as far as food, yes. <laughs> clean clothes. Yeah. She fattened kind of me thing. up. So. <laughs> but just being the, the, the anchor, the anchor, yeah, the yes. anchor in the home. Yes. 
Because when you're going to another country that you're not familiar with, finding where to buy the groceries, finding how to do this and do that, to me, that, that's been the most rewarding thing. Because our children were all born in three different locations around the world. And just having that steady home life. And well, that active two-and-a-half-year-old boy, David, that you got an instant son when you got married to Gary, is now serving the Lord as a pastor. That's right. The he Lord. and his wife and how many children? Two. two. Up right. in Evansville. Indiana planted a church up there from nothing. Now two services and how God works. It's amazing. Yes. And tell me about the other children, where they are right now. So David is the oldest. He was born on Bonaire. And then uh, Dan, Daniel, he was born on Guam. And he and his wife, Tabby, have three children. They live walking distance about 10 minutes from us, mostly uphill. It's always good to have the grandkids close, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And their ages are five, three, and one. So guess what? (laughs) Grandma and grandpa's close by. (laughs) We babysit them quite often, but they're, they're wonderful kids. We love them. And then our youngest, Deborah, she was born in Hong Kong. She and her husband live up near uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Looking back, reflecting, seeing the the joys, the tragedies, the valleys, the mountaintops. I mean, it's all part of life, right? Mm-hmm. What God does. I, I think of the song, It Will Be Worth It All, when oh, we see yeah. Jesus. Yes. And even during that, you've heard, I'm sure most of your listeners have heard, you know, somebody going through tra- trials, there's two foot uh, sets of footprints. And then when you're going through great difficulties, there's only one, but that's what Jesus said. I was carrying you then. Yes. So uh, I think one of the most difficult times we had was probably going from Guam uh, which is 100,000 people, a U.S. territory, as you know. But then they asked us to, to go to, to Hong Kong. Now you got to be careful how you pray because in those days, all the programming decisions for the Guam station was made in Hong Kong, and then Guam would do the broadcasting. And I'd be saying, we aren't getting the answers we need from the staff on, in Hong Kong. We need more staff in Hong Kong. But then, <laughs> So be careful. God will use you to answer your own prayer. But going from 100,000 people to, you know, like four million people, concrete jungle there in Hong Kong. So, and we were there for eight years. But the excitement, the joy of getting letters from China to be able to, you know, hear testimonies right from China, people, our staff would translate, and then to be able to go into China. I met a house church pastor who was there in jail for 20 years. We know that we talked earlier about how some parts of the world it's very, very difficult to reach. To be a Christian, I've met those. I've been on the North Korean-China border, and there's a river between them, and we got on a little water taxi and went about between here and probably 50 yards from the North Korean border. But about every 200 yards, there are two guys with AK-47s. Not, I don't think, to keep me out, but to keep the people in. But the radio broadcast, they cannot keep out. No, cannot keep out. Yeah. Well, Gary, it's like those letters that you receive. Tons of letters come in. One letter recently came, Japan, with the Olympics going on right now. Right. But one of the most unreached people groups is Japan. Right. And this letter says, I listen to your message program, The Word Today, in Japanese every week. It never gets boring, and it's very interesting and informative. I hope you will continue the Japanese message program in the future. I am on dialysis three times a week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Thank you, God, for bringing this DRM program to the Japanese people. And that's literally one of thousands of letters over the years since 1954, when TWR first began in three languages, uh, crazy now, 300, 300 languages. languages. You know, the, the example I give when I'm speaking to kids, when we were in Hong Kong, of course, they speak Cantonese there, seven different tones. Now, Mandarin in China, there's four tones. 
Very, very difficult. But I learned my first phrase of Mandarin, and I went over to Winnie and practiced it. And I told her, I'm sure I'm somebody who understands <laughs> Mandarin said, that's not what you said, but it was Tai Tai. What? I need. And Winnie had this dumb look on her face. But when I tell kids about how important language is, I was telling her great news. Why didn't she smile? Because I was saying, wife, I love you. But she didn't understand Mandarin. So if we would just broadcast in those first three languages, English, Spanish, and I forgot what the other language was. French was the other language. Okay, so many people would never hear, or even John 3.16, but you're in their mother tongue. They're able to hear, understand the gospel, and turn to like. One of our programs now is the Way of Righteousness, which is a program that is a hundred questions a Muslim would ask, starting from Genesis. The first 60 programs is in the Old Testament because Muslims understand who the prophets are, but they don't know who they're pointing to. And most Muslims, they may have even memorized the Quran, but they don't know what it means. They don't understand it. And interesting enough, too, Gary, the Quran speaks highly of the Torah, Psalms, and the Gospel as the scriptures revealed to David, Moses, and, of course, Jesus. It calls them books of God, describing them as a sign, a light, a guidance, or mercy, even exhorts Muslims to read them. But they become skeptical, thinking they're distorted. So a program like the Way of Righteousness really explains the scripture and helps bridge that gap. It kind of starts where they are. Yeah. Okay, I know who Isaiah is, but I don't know what he's he's talking about. But in their own mother tongue, they begin to hear who the prophets like Isaiah were talking about, who they were pointing to. So it's very, and then the next 40 programs are in the New Testament. Now, one great thing, of course, we've been radio for years, but now, besides radio, we have uh, internet, we have uh, TWR 360. So if, if, say, if somebody tunes in on program number 55 in the way of righteousness, if it's just radio every day, they'd have to wait maybe a year. To get to number one. Yeah. But now you can say, okay, tune in tomorrow, or you can also go on to the website in your language and you can start with program one. So they're archived on the website. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm thankful that the leadership of TDBR didn't say, well, we're radio, so that's all we're going to do. No. What media will reach the most people? Even our Middle East uh, Arabic ministry talking to our ministry director, he said, our women's Facebook page has half a million followers. <laughs> That's so exciting. <laughs> well, incredible. and plans for countries like Rwanda, Sudan, Nigeria, Pakistan, and Iran are all programs to Muslims is planned for to right. reach. Yeah, one thing we're trying to do is to more, it is so effective, and it didn't start with TWR, it started with a missionary from another ministry in West Africa, and he saw how effective that it was. So he developed these, now TWR is, is using them. It's been very, very effective, and we're Wanting to do, you know, we talked about languages. If we're in, right now, I think we're in 31 languages, but the more languages we put the program in, the more people will be able to hear. Gary, last time we got together, we talked briefly about the Guam Tower site. There was a restoration project in place. That ministry has been going on since 1977. Since we've all lived on Guam, we know what typhoons are like. Very much so. Uh, some of those earthquakes typh- also. Earthquakes, typhoons. <laughs> yeah. All of that sea air on the antenna can really do damage over time. And you can scrape and you can paint for so long, but then eventually you've got to replace. Yeah. Very much so. The towers, the three legs are okay, but all all the cross beams through all the years. Now, again, as you said, the um, station is very close to the South Philippine Seas, but radio waves are normally absorbed into the earth, but they reflect off of salt water. 
So it's great for the broadcasting, but it's causing rust and so on. So they're in the process of trying to finish raising the funds for that and then have a crew to come out and replace all those hundreds of, of cross beams. So that's happening right now. Is that almost completed? They're just starting because COVID. Uh-huh. The team going out there, you'd have to wait quarantine for a week or 10 days. So they have not done that because why go for two weeks and you're sitting in a room for about 10 of those days? So they're in the process. We're almost done with raising the funds, but then we'll be sending some crews out there sometime soon. All of the exciting projects and what God is doing around the world through TWR is just a click away at the website, right? TWR.org. That's right. You can go there and learn all about the ministry and to these projects, like the solar panels project in Bonaire, another project where support, prayers are needed, but also financial support. That's right. And you were talking about the team earlier because you think, okay, you've got a team, say, in, in Asia somewhere producing the programs. You've got a team on Guam operating the transmitters. And you've got people climbing the towers and so on. But then the team goes further than that. You've got t- people here. Somebody's here in Memphis saying, well, how can I reach China? How can I reach North Korea? How can I be involved? I'm just sitting here. I'm 30, 40, 50. I'm 80 years old, but I pray an hour a day. That's part of the team. Yes. Here at WCRB, I think it's 24 hours a day. Right. A lot of our programs to millions of people are just like 30 minutes. We're starting a new ministry into Sudan. It's an hour Monday through Friday. So if somebody tunes in at one hour before, one hour after, They'll hear something else or nothing, dead air. But I believe somebody here in Memphis can be praying, God, there are listeners out there who need you. Move them to tune in on the radio or click on the Internet at the right time to the right place. Part of the team is starting right here in in Memphis. Through those prayers. Whitmore, this has been great. God bless both of you so much for what... You have faithfully done for Christ's kingdom over the years through the ministry of TWR. Winnie, I'm so glad we had you here to share your story. Briefly want to say as we close, you are recovering from a stroke. That's right. How are you doing? Very well, very well. I praise God that the stroke wasn't real bad. It affected my left leg and my left arm mostly. I really give a lot of credit to physical therapists out yes. there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they do a great job. Yes, they do. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to say goodbye. But God bless you. Thank you so much for stopping by. It's our honor. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for joining us on this program. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.